0: This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We got plenty to get to today. I'll be joined by Mark Craig in a little bit for our weekly NFL Picks segment. He'll also uh, he'll spend a little extra time on Vikings-Cowboys this week. Just We haven't talked as much Vikings as we typically do on the show this week just because they're coming off of a bye week. Didn't do our usual you know, Monday and Tuesday stuff on the Vikings. And Mark has a keen NFL um, opinion and mind to uh to help us break down that game, so we'll spend a little extra time getting uh getting ready for that big game Sunday night. Take a couple of listener reader questions: one about Anthony Edwards, one about the mess going on in Florida right now in the NHL. Um, so I'll get to those in a little bit too. Talk a little: Dak Prescott is he gonna play? That is a big question for Sunday night's game and a Twins. Transaction that was pretty interesting to me as well. But first, what did I miss? Wild game, um, the other night, Thursday night, they did not look great. A reminder, I guess, at the at the outset, I want to make the point there: a reminder that COVID can still wreak havoc on seasons right now. You had Matt Zucarello in uh, in protocols. You had some other players injured. Bill Guerin general manager in protocols as well you had you know Alex Goligosky one of your top defensive pair uh, players injured um, so you've got a lot uh, a lot going on so you're know, you get a little injury um, you had Rem Pitlick out in the COVID protocols as well two defensemen injured Goligoski and Dmitry Kulikov and all of a sudden you know your depth is really tested and not using that as an excuse necessarily, because I think each team is going to go through this at different points in the year. But it is kind of a reminder of, you know, this team when they're at their best, when they're at their full strength. Their lineup, you know, one through one through eighteen looks pretty good. You know, one through twenty, if you consider that you count the goalies too. And Cam Talbot played well, even though the final score uh, last night was four to one. But uh, those last two were empty net goals. Um, it kind of shows that the depth of this team will certainly be tested. You know, four guys going out kind of at the same time does make it. You know, does make for a a bigger challenge than than an, uh, you know than, than you know missing one or two at a time. Um, that said, they're gonna have to play better than they did. You know, this, they played Seattle, expansion. Kraken. Seattle's not a great team. They're two, four, and one coming into this game. They're an expansion team for a reason, and it was a home game for Seattle good home environment, things like that. But, you know, I know the two, the last two goals, like I said, were, were empty net goals, but it, the Wild right now does have a negative goal differential, minus one, even though they're 5-2. 21 goals scored, 22 goals allowed. I think that's got to be uh, it's very unusual, just owing to the fact that all five of their wins were one goal wins and their two losses were both three goal losses. And, again, the, the empty net goals skew that. Um I just I want to see a little bit more from them. I think they're a solid team. I think they're going to be fine as the year goes on, especially as guys get healthy. But I want to see how they handle adversity a little bit more because it did not feel like they handled it all that well on Thursday night.
1: I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to StarTribune.com slash subscribe.
0: Happy to be joined on Daily Delivery today by Mark Craig. We do our weekly picks segment. And uh, Mark, interesting week of games. And I want to spend a little extra time on Vikings-Cowboys because that's one of the best matchups of the week, and uh, is of, of course, very much interest to our listenership. Um, how you doing? Did you enjoy the bye week?
1: I enjoyed the bye week very, very much. Uh, been a pretty predictable last two weeks. Not a lot of movement on our survivor pools. I went eleven and two with picks last week, so four and one with the upsets. So you know it's getting predictable. So I think we're we're heading for some topsy turvy weekend here. I think.
0: Yeah, it could be. I mean, you start to form opinions about certain teams, and then just when you do that, something happens. And you've you've talked about that a few different weeks here, where the NFL kind of seems like one of those leagues where, especially this season, where once you think you know something, the league kind of corrects itself. So yeah, it sure is, that, does. is that does that play into how you think about Vikings versus Dallas this week? And Dallas obviously coming in you know, with just just the one loss has, you know, I think is, has covered every game, um, Vikings 3-3. Three and three. How do you think about this game as you as you kind of get ready for it on Sunday night?
1: Well, yeah, and they've won five in a row. The correction doesn't have a feel whenever both teams are coming off a bye because it seems like they kind of reset themselves. I think Zimmer even talked a little bit about how it was like, uh, you know, uh, school was out and the kids were like, hey, having to come back to school, you know, in, in the fall. And it's like, you know, to get everyone refocused. Uh, what I thought about this game is, is I mean, U.S. Bank Stadium kind on of Halloween. I think I joked about it in my uh, thing on, on Wednesday. It was like, you know, um, U.S. Bank Stadium versus the Vikings pass rush versus a 720 start alcohol. Uh, it's going to be a, that is going to be such a factor in this game. The Vikings have their pass rush back, but more just as importantly, they got their home crowd back. Uh, and it makes such a big difference now if you can rein Everson Griffin in. And have him not jump on on a, like multiple third downs and do some things that that's on the negative side of Everson. Um, you know, this could be a really and if, if Dak Prescott's calf injury is bothering him, I'm sure he'll play. But this could be a situation where you know the Vikings, you know, it'll be an upset. Uh, I think it's only what two and a half point spread or something. Um, but where it's at, when it's being played, and the Vikings pass rush, i have a feeling it's it won't feel as much like an upset because the Vikings you know, are a pretty good team as well. Um, so they're, they're definitely capable of, of winning this game, especially being played at home, primetime, Halloween night.
0: It feels like, you know, this is a, obviously this is a pretty important game for the Vikings. You know, they're three and three coming in. They've got this four game stretch that we've kind of locked in on. You lose this one and you're suddenly like, okay, now we, now there's a lot of work to do in those next three before the schedule eases up a little bit win this one and you feel a little bit more comfortable, um, you know, how maybe set the stage for how important you think this one is for the Vikings.
1: Well, you know, I guess I'm showing my age, but I sort of, I tend to agree more with coaches now when, uh, it feels like this is the, this is kind of the theme almost every week until you're out of it until, you know, you know Jacksonville's not talking about this right now, or, you know, uh, Detroit's not talking about this now, but, when you're kind of like where the Vikings are, where you're, you're a 500 team trying to crawl, you know, like last year when they were trying to crawl all their way back, um, every game was big. And, you know, I, I look back, I wrote about this on Wednesday. I look back, you know, 45 days ago to September 12th. Where in the morning, we're sitting in Cincinnati, and the, the, the theme was got to beat the Bengals because, boy, you know, the Bengals and the, the, the Cardinals, because when you, hit, you got the Seahawks coming in, they can't beat the Seahawks. And then we would, you know, after the bye, there's all these games. Well, right now, those those are the, the top team in the AFC is Cincinnati. The top team in the NFC is Arizona. So, you know, they, they almost won those games, you know, but going into it, it was like they had, especially Cincinnati, this is almost like, the, I never heard anybody say must win on week one until this year, I think. It was like, you just got to get rid of Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati's a really good team right now. So, yeah, I have a feeling that, yeah, this is a big game, but, if they, if they win this game, then, you know, going to Baltimore is going to have a whole new set of big game. You know, this is the critical moment because if they don't win that game, then Dallas didn't mean anything. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fun stretch because it's, it's more fun to like play Dallas and and Baltimore and the chargers and green Bay than it is to, you know, like look at the Rams. I mean, they they played the giants, the lions, the Texans. So yeah, it's, these are, these are, fun games but i wouldn't i wouldn't say the season rests on sunday.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. It just feels like they would their season sets up much better if they win but still plenty of season left even if they lose. This is the first game they'll play without Patrick Peterson. He was injured late in that win over Carolina. Michael Pierce has been limited this week but you still like the Vikings to win. You think they can outscore Dallas in this game?
1: Yeah, i do. I mean, i think, you know, uh, maybe not. sometimes whenever you cover a team or you watch a team you know, closely, you see uh, you you fo- people tend to maybe focus more on the warts than they do, you know, the what's what's good about this team. There's a lot of, a lot of good things about this team. Dalvin Cook, uh, one of the best game, maybe the best game I I can remember seeing him play. And I don't know what the numbers say it that maybe he had better games, but two years ago I think it was when they were in Dallas in prime time when he was absolutely 100 percent healthy. He was the best. Player in the NFL that night. And I think that, you know, he's off the injury report. He's healthy, he coming off. He had that big game at Carolina and then he's had two weeks to rest. Um, him being 100%. You know, the two receivers and now having uh, KJ Osborne step up an uh, offensive line. I mean, we don't talk about them as much because they're doing a great, they're doing a, as well as they can play. And they had a left tackle, looks like he's. He's a legit guy that can, he's not, he's going to have some bumps in a road, but the line is good. The talent on offense is, is, is capable of outscoring the Cowboys. Yes, I, I firmly believe that, especially with the pass rush and where they're playing this game. If this game was in Dallas, I would pick Dallas.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And it's funny you mentioned at the start of the show, um, got to keep from jumping off sides and getting too worked up. I looked it up the other day. The Vikings do not have an offside penalty all season, which was shocking to me because that's been a, a problem in the past. They don't have uh, on defense. Not an accepted one, anyway.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I thought there was one, in, uh, I don't know. There, ever since had some others like uh, like a strange roughing the passer. You know, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of the, the tiki Tech rushing the passer, but there was one I think where he came in and purposely reached out and hit the guy on the helmet. Uh, so yeah, you got to eliminate those. You know, that's penalties and turnovers are. The, you know, we can talk, talk, talk. But they go into a game like Cincinnati, and you have twelve penalties, ten in the first half. It erases everything that we talk about, or you know, Dalvin Cook fumbles in overtime. I mean, those are the things that, that make all a lot of this pregame chatter kind of uh, everything I say meaningless.
0: Everything you say is not meaningless, Mark. But yes, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. What else do you like this week? I was I was very down on I'm very down on the Bears right now. But there's some 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 matchups between teams that are really kind of floundering right now. Who's, who's going to
1: get, who's going to get well this weekend? Well, I, I, uh, you know, the, the, three underdogs in the NFC North, this is either a, uh, a lift for them or the ultimate jinx. Uh, you know, the upset special, I think is, is the Vikings beating the Cowboys. I like the, I like the bears to win at home against the 49ers because, not because the bears are any good, but I think that we are, it's we are continue to overrate the, the 49ers as if this is still two years ago and they're a Super Bowl team. They're not that good. Um, so I like the Bears. You know, when you get embarrassed like that and you're coming home and you're playing a team that's uh, not is nowhere near as good as a team that just whipped you. I, I think there's going to be a, a bounce back factor for the Bears. I like them at home and I like the Lions. I think the Lions are finally going to get rewarded. You know, they're playing the, uh, the Eagles, and the Eagles are kind of a mess right now. I don't see the Eagles as, you know, some team that can just, you know, stroll into Detroit. I think the Lions, if you look at what they tried to do, they tried. They were so desperate to beat Matthew Stafford that they threw everything at him. I think they had, they converted two fake punts, which I don't know when's the last time you saw that in an NFL game. They had an onside kick that they recovered in the, uh, after they scored, I think, the opening touchdown. Um, they threw everything they could at the Rams. It just weren't good enough. And I think if that carries over at home against the Eagles, because now you've got the lions have a few more weeks of where you're saying, okay, this is a team. that's desperate not to be Owen 17. Um, so I think that we're still in that wheelhouse where they are going to play that way to try and get this win. And now it's not beating Stafford, but it's winning, just winning a game. And I think uh, I like the lions to win. So that's a, uh, might be the, and I've picked them before to do things like this and they always let me down, but I have that feeling this week. Buccaneers at
0: Saint is an interesting one. Saints have been a hard team to figure out this year. You like Tampa Bay, but in a close one, I think they're favored by five, five and a half in that game. Um, They've had a lot of narrow victories this year. Obviously last week was not a narrow victory when they absolutely clobbered the Bears. Um, What what do you like about this matchup? Cause there's some intrigue in that one.
1: Yeah. You know, in, uh, I think last week I was 11 or two overall, you know, straight up but the real hard part is, is against the spread seven and six against the spread. So, and this year is just like, you know, normally a five point spread. I would just, whoever, whoever I pick to win, I would just say cover, but man, there's so many three, two, one point games. Um, you know, I, I think Tampa Bay, when they go on the road, I think they're, um, Oh, and three, uh, on the road. And, um, Yeah, like against. I know it was raining and everything, but at at New England, they only won by two, and they would have lost the the Patriots' field goal not hit the upright. Um, You know, they sputtered. uh, Drawing a blank on their other game. Um, Oh, Philadelphia. Uh, So when they're at home, I think they're they're. I mean, they're a good team no matter where they play, but I I just think they'll win. But I think it's going to be one of those. You know, they'll struggle and. and then win the game toward the end. Like, like a lot of these games are happening now.
0: Who's the best team in the AFC right now? It's, I'm having a hard time sorting that out. Is it Buffalo still? Is it Tennessee now? What do you think?
1: You know, if it, it's hard to say Buffalo because, you know, I, you know Tennessee's probably the hottest team. Um, I wouldn't sleep on Cincinnati. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of early. It's hard for me to, to say Cincinnati, so I would probably say, you know, I like what Tennessee's doing. I mean, you, you go and you beat Buffalo and you beat uh, um, Kansas Kansas City. I mean, I don't know if we're kind of overrating Kansas City. They're favored by 10 this week. Uh, but they're emerging as the team that can take their game wherever. And Derrick Henry, I mean, it's been he one of the most amazing things about him is not just the yards and the numbers and everything. It's the fact that he's never hurt. I know he's he's massive, but at some point you'd think something would go wrong. But you know, as long as they got him and the defense is playing, you know, better. I mean, in a six-day span, they they beat those two teams. Uh, I think you know temporarily the flag is probably planted with them, but I am sure that it's going to change before before long.
0: Well, you must be really down on Geno Smith if you are picking the Jaguars to win outright at Seattle. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta predict that that one is not going to come true. But Seattle without Russell Wilson, you're finding out indeed kind of who is driving that whole machine yeah. for all these years right
1: yeah poor gino it's kind of a similar situation when uh, christian ponder had to play and that there was a thursday nighter in green bay whenever you're you're making your whatever two million a year or whatever as a backup and you're not having to play and you know you got you're considered a former starter who's got experience and then all of a sudden you have to play that's the worst thing that can happen to these guys because they get exposed and yeah, I mean, I don't know how it had been what four years since he started or something, whatever it was. Um, I the Seahawks are I, I without Russell Wilson. You, I mean, he, their defense wasn't great before, and it's certainly not very good now. Um, he was he was holding up. A, I got a lot of great quarterbacks. He was holding uh, holding the holding the franchise up, and uh, I you know, and also I picked the Jaguars because you know, they coming off a win. Uh, they they had a bye week. Um, just thought that they would, yeah, I would not be surprised to see that one not come true. But uh I just like I don't I think the Seahawks this is gonna be another, you know, drop in their their free fall that they got going on right now.
0: Last thing for you, Mark Craig, you're five and two in your upset specials so far. What's the secret to picking upsets in this league this year?
1: I don't know. Some of them don't feel like upsets because the road teams I used to just like in survivor pools and everything, I would stay away from a road team no matter what, but now. You know, I, I did this stat a few weeks ago and the, and the the road teams were above 500 and I'm sure it's gotten even even better for the road team. So, you know, I I think a lot of the is just the, the momentum and it's weird because it's like maybe it's, I don't do, I don't play the stock market on a daily basis like some people, but it almost feels like when it's way up, you got to predict it's going to go down and and vice versa. And until you reach a certain point, like, you know, the. I'm not going to be picking the lions to bounce back in week 14 or whatever, or, or, uh, you know, and then it gets kind of at the end of the season, whenever you now with a 17th game, you're going to see maybe teams resting that uh, are really good resting starters, maybe extra games. I, I don't know. So it's going to get really hard to predict toward the end of the year. Uh, but yeah, a lot of it has to do with momentum and just uh, bounce back and short, sort of trying to figure out the emotional part of where a team is mentally, but, after a big loss or a big win.
0: We'll see what kind of momentum the Vikings bring in. They had the two two wins before the bye that were fairly dramatic, and then they got a chance to get healthy and rested. Mark, good stuff. Stay away from all the drunks out at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday night, and uh, we'll talk to you again next yeah. week. All right. Thanks, Michael. Now, after Mark and I talked, uh, good stuff from him as usual, by the way, it was revealed that Dak Prescott's status is still – in question um quote from dak after thursday's practice he's got the calf strain he's been limited knowing this is a long journey and a long season i don't necessarily know if this is fully my decision talking about playing but i'm just going to keep controlling the things i can i can to get better i've gotten better each and every day and that's what's most important i'm just focused on doing that again tomorrow um you now that says to me, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy says there's thresholds. He's got to, he's got a clear. It does sound to me like the Packer, or the sorry, the Cowboys might be taking the long view of this, and that Dak Prescott might not play Sunday, um, which would obviously be a huge deal. And is you know is showing up in betting odds right now. You know, Mark Craig had this as his upset special because Dallas opened as. Uh, 2.5-point favorites, um, and and now if you look at it, the Vikings are 2.5-point favorites, so the line has swung five points from Cowboys uh, minus 2.5 to Vikings minus 2.5, and, and I always tell everybody if you want to know if someone's going to play or not, follow the money line. Vegas always knows first, so I'm guessing based on this that Dak Prescott is not going to play in this game, which would be a huge break for the Vikings. And we'll see, you know, maybe this is all subterfuge. Maybe he does end up playing. And if he does, is he, you know, fully fully able to play like Mark and I talked about? I don't know. But this, this wrinkle on Thursday has me thinking that it's less likely that he's going to play, and that would be a huge deal for the Vikings. Now, it could have been an even bigger deal. They could have pulled even closer in the NFC North race with a win uh, Sunday if Green Bay had lost on Monday Night Football to... Arizona. However, Green Bay missing pretty much everybody of note. Uh, it seemed like, aside from Aaron Rodgers, you know, Devontae Adams in protocol, the top two receivers in protocols for COVID, speaking of seasons potentially being wrecked by COVID, um, playing Arizona at Arizona, an undefeated team on a short week, traveling west, all sorts of you know, built-in excuses reasons why they wouldn't win this game the Packers win 24-21 they get a goal line stand essentially a interception in the end zone when Kyler Murray and A.J. Green have a awful miscommunication A.J. Green wasn't even looking for the ball Rasul Douglas who had just come off of Arizona's practice squad um, makes the interception so now Green Bay Instead of being six and two and within the range of the Vikings, if the Vikings win and get to four and three, they're only one game back in the loss column. Now the Green Bay is seven and one, starting to put some distance between themselves and the rest of the NFC North, and it really shows the razor-thin margins in the NFL. Right, the Packers escape Arizona with a win on you know the final play. Vikings arguably in a better position to win. At the end in Arizona, but they missed the the 37 yard Greg Joseph field goal. You got the game in Cincinnati earlier this year with the Vikings rally and look like they're maybe going to win the game in overtime before the Dalvin Cook fumble. Green Bay survives two missed Cincinnati field goals that would have won that game in Cincinnati. They end up winning that game. I mean, listen, that's that's the difference right there. I mean, Packers are two and zero in those games. Vikings are. Owen oh, two in those games you flip just one in each direction and this is a much different race than the nfc north but that said you are what your record says you are good teams find a way to win those games and the teams that aren't great at least find a way to lose those games we'll see if the vikings have a way to equalize or at least get themselves in the playoffs as the stretch run continues here Let's get to a couple of reader-listener questions right now. Um, First one from Dear Minnesota Sports. says, at Ramball, I keep replaying Anthony Edwards' post-game presser from Wednesday night in my mind. So here's a question for the podcast. When was the last time we had as charismatic an athlete in town who's also a star? He says, I dare say it may not be since Kirby Puckett that's uh that's a big uh that's a big uh connection right there to make um that's a you know you're going back you know 20 25 30 years to uh, to Puckett's heyday. Yeah, at least 25 more like 30 really to uh, to the world series and then beyond that um it's i did think about this for a while though and it's it's not it's not a crazy assertion cuz you know we've had we've had our share of stars we've had our share of characters Have we had somebody that maybe combined the elements of charisma, leadership, and talent to the extent that Anthony Edwards does since Puckett? And it's a good question. I think some people qualify to be in this discussion. I think Randy Moss, especially when he came into the league, was kind of had that same vibe of just kind of the let it let it flow. Just like speak your mind uh, in in a, in a good way. But I don't know if he was ever quite the leader that Anthony Edwards seems like he's growing into at a very young age. Um, Kevin Garnett is another one. I mean, when he was really young, there was a lot that he was, you know, his his charisma was off the charts. His leadership was was growing. But again, I don't quite see him in the same. Way that I see Anthony Edwards or Kirby Puckett, Lindsay Whalen definitely comes to mind. I don't think her charisma is quite the same as Anthony Edwards. It's a little bit more of a understated kind of sense of humor, an under more understated sense of you know kind of her identity. But in terms of accomplishment and in terms of leadership, uh, a thousand percent. So I think she's probably the closest for me in uh, in in all of this category I just I couldn't think of someone quite for the twins who met that met all that criteria like you know Tory Hunter came to mind um you know with with the wolves there wasn't anybody else that that jumped out to me uh with the vikings like I said you know Moss and Adrian Peterson came to mind I just couldn't think of anybody else that really Jumped into that category for me. And nobody from the wild jumps into that category for me. And obviously, I mentioned Lindsey Whalen from the Lynx. So it's it's a, it's an interesting one. I think we got to see more from Anthony Edwards before we make that absolute declaration. We're you know barely into his NBA career. We got to see where he takes his game in all three of these phases. Whether he maintains this kind of charisma as he gets older. Whether he keeps maturing into this leader. And whether he becomes the player. We think he can become now. So I'm gonna. Maybe, I want. I'd love to circle back on this question in like two or three years because I think we'll have a much clearer answer at that point. Another one from <clears throat> Mark um in my inbox says just basically the the subject line is NHL scandal. State of hockey has nothing to say about this. You got nothing. That was the whole email. It's unbelievable. This is a terrible scandal that is going on in the NHL right now. You saw. Stan Bowman, the president of the Blackhawks, resign in the wake of covering up a sex abuse scandal from 11 years ago during their playoff run. You saw Joel Quenville, now head coach of the Panthers or formerly, I should say now head coach of the Panthers, resigned on Thursday night. Could be more fallout from this as well. It's hard to comment on stories like this just because the totality of them is just awful. There's the not not that it's not that we shouldn't talk about them, but there's so Beyond just saying how awful they are, it is hard to put into words what else you would say about this. And I guess the only other tertiary sports-related thing we can say about this right now is that it has touched the wild in a couple different ways. Andrew Burnett, now the interim head coach of the Panthers, taking over a 7-0 team, by the way. And it sounds like Bill Guerin will be the new general manager of USA Hockey Taking over that role for Stan Bowman, so you know that's not the that's not the main takeaway from from all of this, but it is uh, you know it, it's something to uh, something to consider in all this as well. But just an awful story, you know. I, I've listened to some of the some of the Kyle Beach interview, the player who had come forward. It, it's just you know in this day and age, you can't imagine that happening, but it wasn't all that long ago that this did happen. Let's finish with the cooler. The Twins hired a new hitting coach. From Class A, Great Lakes Loons, David Popkins. Not David S. Pumpkins, by the way. David Popkins, 31 years old, um, never played in the majors, but is regarded as a you know game planner, swing mechanic. Our Phil Miller reporting those things in a story that's on StarTribune.com. So this is all according to major league sources. Did talk to um, the uh, Great Lakes Loons uh, manager, Austin Chubb. Speaks highly of uh, of David Popkins, So uh, this is a risky hire, I, I think. Uh, you know, you- when you hire someone without that Major League experience to try to revamp an offense that really will seal your fate, probably, in-, in coming years. You know, obviously the pitching's a big deal, too. But if you can't get this offense going to a better degree, and it's really fallen off since 2019 when James Rousen was here, um, you're going to have some problems getting this team back into the playoffs. So a, a risky move. From you know Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, the decision makers with the Twins, we will see if this is the kind of connection, this is the kind of move that will help them straighten things out at the plate. That will do it for this week. Thanks for listening. I am Michael Rand. Be back at it Monday with Patrick Royce. Breaking down Vikings-Cowboys should be tons of fun. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday.